In the spirit of the new year, we are going to talk about priorities. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Locked On Flames. As always, I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, and thank you so much for joining me here today. As always, I am joined by my partner in crime, Nick Zeraris. Nick, how you doing? Tired, hungry, could use a snack, but other than that, we're chilling. Living the dream. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Today, we are going to be talking about the NHL as a whole and what they prioritize in terms of all the good stuff, that the, the fine details that matter, as well as some all-star uh, rumblings, because that's being announced tomorrow, and we're going to wrap up the show with everyone's favorite rookie, Connor Zari. And before we do all that, make sure you subscribe to Locked On Flames wherever you're getting your podcasts. And of course, on YouTube, uh, we're free across the board. So just come hang out with us wherever wherever you listen. Oh boy, hard to believe it's already 2024 and like half. Yeah, season's flying, man. We're getting into that midway point now. I mean, we still got a lot of time because the NHL has a relatively late trade deadline as opposed to the Mm -hmm. other sports, which is a lot closer to the true midway point. But, you know, in the next month, we're really going to start to see the pack kind of thin out and get a better understanding of what teams are actually going to sell. And that's really what what spurs all of this, because there have been teams who have needed to make a move, you know, since November, who are teams like the Leafs, who, you know, have been missing three defensemen for months, yeah. who need a goalie desperately, the Devils, who need a goalie desperately. There are a lot of teams who would love to make a move, but because a lot of teams don't want to give up before the new year, you know, they stubbornly keep their guys and they try and ride it out and say, maybe we just get a better string of luck and we're right back in the thick of it. But by the end of January, you pretty much have an idea of who who's actually going to start selling yeah and you know i think that if anyone knows you can't really bank on luck it is calgary flames fans because there's only so many times you're gonna get lucky and i don't i don't think that it's going to be on everyone's side in terms of going on a heater and kind of turning your season around it sounds like these teams could really pick up the phone and call our good friend, Craig Conroy. That's coming. That is absolutely on the horizon. As we understand, the Lindholm negotiations are at a full-on stalemate. Uh, Hannafin has been very direct about wanting to go back to the States, and they'll figure out the rest. Tanev's name has been out there a lot because there are a lot of teams starved for that type of skill set because it's pretty unique there just aren't a lot of defense first defensemen who are actually good at defense and Tanev is one of them but as far as what we're talking about in terms of what we prioritize what we value there's been a lot of conversation in the NHL this year about the loser point and does the NHL need to reassess how we do standings and what we're prioritizing and it it, the natural it naturally kind of picked back up because the PWHL had their first game on New Year's Day and they are going with a three 
three to one model of a regulation win is worth three points, overtime win is worth two, and an overtime loss is worth one, which puts more of a priority more of an emphasis on trying to win these games in regulation or in overtime, not just to settle for, Hey, if we get to overtime and we lose, we still get a point at least. Yeah, you do. But the team that wins in overtime in that overtime period, they're getting more of an incentive to go for it. Cause there are a lot of teams that are guilty of just trying to get through that three on three overtime best they can. And then they'll flip the coin in the shootout. They, they're perfectly fine with that. Where, especially if you're not as talented of a team, if you're playing a team that's got the types of guys who thrive in that three-on-three environment, you're going to be more than content to backpass, to burn clock, to just try and get to the shootout and increase your chances of winning. And and we and the NHL this year, the two teams that really jump out uh, and that would be vastly different in a 3-2-1 are the Islanders and the Leafs. The Leafs only have 11 right here. Let me pull up my spreadsheet. Yeah, the Leafs only have... 11 regulation wins, seven overtime wins, seven overtime losses. The Islanders, they have 13 regulation wins, four overtime wins, 10 overtime losses. Those two teams would see the biggest movement in their standings points versus in a 3-2. Yeah, they, you got to remember the Islanders had a streak there where they lost like five uh, five out of like eight or nine games they lost in overtime and that was when the fire lane lambert stuff really had a lot of juice because they kept getting those big leads they would blow the leads in the third period and then they would lose in overtime and the islanders have kind of turned it around now i want to say they've won something like seven of their last 11 something in that ballpark where they're starting to put it back together but i think there's a real argument for either totally de-incentivizing trying to get to overtime like the PWHL is doing because you want these games decided in regulation in real hockey conditions like three on three is fun but that's not NHL hockey that's a different style of play it's prioritizing a different skill set and it's different you want to incentivize the game being settled in 60 minutes of regulation I know a lot of people would say hey let's add two minutes, three minutes, four minutes. Let's go to a 10 minute three on three. And then if nothing, if you don't have a result after those 10 minutes, the game ends in a tie. I don't mind the idea of ties, but I know a lot of people would. So I understand why the NHL wouldn't go back to that. But I think this is a practical solution to an issue that would help parse out a little bit of what we talk about. You and I have talked about a lot. We have talked about this a lot in regards to the Flames because the NHL rewards mediocrity. The NHL says they have a league full of parity when in reality, you know, it's a league full of mediocrity. There are seven, eight teams that have a real chance of winning the Stanley Cup. 10 teams that'll be just happy to make the playoffs, whatever happens. And then the bottom 12 to 14 are just, you know, not good. But because of things like the loser point, they're going to be able to hang around a little bit longer. Yeah. And I think it's so hard to, you know, I think that the 10 minutes of overtime is great, but I do like the, uh, the three, two, one point model better because like you said, it, it really just incentivizes the regulation win. And we talk so much about the uh, win percentage and the loss, uh, the loser point rather. And it just, it shouldn't come down to that. I feel like we really just need, we need to revamp it and make it more creative and start these 60 minute hockey games. That's it. Yeah, and this is something that I think we've reached a point now where we can start to think about, I don't want to call it like 
eras or periods, but a lot of the rules we have right now in, in terms of how we've set this league up, we're set up in the wake of the lockout in 0304, where they canceled mm-hmm. that season and they came back and they said, hey, we want to incentivize offense. And it took them a while to get there, to get to the point we're at now where scoring has continued to trend upward. Power play opportunities have continued to trend upward. That's a whole other conversation. I know because the PWHL is doing where if you score shorthanded on the power play, on the penalty kill, that ends the other team's power play. There's been conversation about if you score on the power play, you get to keep the rest of the time and stay in the man advantage the entire two minutes, four minutes, five minutes, et cetera, to really penalize teams for playing, you know, not hockey for committing a penalty. So there are a lot of ways we can tinker with the game, change the environment and try and incentivize teams to play a certain way. But that's at the NHL's prerogative. Does the NHL want to incentivize teams to try and win or does it want to have the illusion of 22 teams all being in the hunt for playoff spots? It really comes down to that dichotomy. Which path do you prioritize more? Yeah, and I think it's safe to say that, you know, when a bottom level team in that 22 team group feels like they have something to hold on to, they're going to go to a game. They're going to spend money to see this team because, oh, there's the chance. And at the end of the day, the NHL is a business. But one last thing uh, real quick. Uh, 2003, 2004, 20 plus years ago at this point. It, it it feels like the right time to kind of renovate, modernize. Yeah, for sure. The shootout's not that old. The shootout is younger than both of us. I, I mean, like when I, I remember when I was putting together resumes for different coaches in the offseason, I, I was seeing a fourth column in their win-loss records. And I was like, what is that? And I, it spent, it took me a solid five minutes to realize those were ties because I had never seen the four columns in a win loss overtime loss tie because that just hasn't been a thing in the time I've been doing hockey content. Yeah. And that I'm sure as long as really you remember too, for the most part. So, yeah, no, the first season I remember watching was the 0506 one when they came back from the lockout. <laughs> so, we will, uh, you know, keep an eye on any sort of rumblings in terms of updating and modernizing the NHL, which, you know, we can all, you don't need to hold your breath for that one. But coming up next, we are going to talk about the All-Star Game, which is in Toronto right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. I love game time because I can find last minute tickets even after an event starts and you don't have to worry about truly anything. You can see the view from your seat, all inclusive pricing and those great last minute deals. Um, With killer last minute deals, you can take the guesswork out of buying tickets. See the view from your seats before you buy and know exactly what you will see when you arrive. And with zone deals, you pick the section and game time picks the seats for big time savings. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Nick, are you going to any games soon? Um, Me and my friends are probably going to go to Devil's Blackhawks on Friday so we can see Bedard. Uh, that is a perfect opportunity to take advantage of the game time app and this offer that they are offering uh 
exclusively to Locked On NHL fans. All you have to do is download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for twenty dollars off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L O C K E D O N for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us on today's episode of Locked on Flames. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. When I saw Frank Saravalli tweet that the All-Star stuff was going to be announced, I truly expected there to just be a thread of leaks underneath it. But I was pleasantly surprised. Part of it is because how they're doing this, because... My understanding of the way they want to do this is they want to make sure everybody gets one player. And Mm -hmm. that means by doing that, you have to divide out the positions where, you know, there are probably teams that deserve to have three or four guys like the Avalanche or the Panthers or the Rangers or Vegas or the Bruins. But because you have to get at least one person from every team, you have to think about, well, if we take a defenseman from this team, what does that put our split of forwards and defensemen at? You know, because each of these teams, because we're doing three on three, you need to have more forwards than you need to do defensemen. You need to have centers, people to take face off. So we, we end up with a very convoluted all-star roster, some uh, rosters under this format. And It's not entirely the NHL's fault. Uh, If you look across the board, the ratings for all-star games are down all across the board. This is not just a hockey issue. People don't care. Just frankly, they do not care about the NBA all-star game, the Pro Bowl, the MLB all-star game. The baseball all-star game does the best, but that's also because that's in the middle of summer when that's the only thing that's on. Whereas the yeah. Pro Bowl is always the same weekend as the NBA All-Star Game. The NHL All-Star Game is within this window where you have other sports you can pick from. So it becomes a real challenge to get eyes on it. I think going to three-on-three three was definitely the right move at the time. And I'm not opposed to this format. I I get that this is more about getting eyes on people uh, on smaller market teams and keep engaging those fan bases. It's a good way to reward organizations like the Panthers getting to host it last year. It's a good way to reward smaller markets to say, Hey, we appreciate what you're doing, developing hockey in this market. We want to reward you with the draft or the all-star game. So it is important that the all-star game keeps going on for those reasons. The game itself. I don't think the players themselves care in all honesty. We don't, they don't, It's just they're there for the weekend. They unfortunately have to answer a million questions. They get microphones shoved in their face asking, uh, is a hot dog a sandwich? Stuff like that. But at the end of the day, the All-Star Game is for the trying to grow the game. It's not easy to do in in this oversaturated media landscape we exist in now where you can watch anything. And there are, in all honesty, and I say this as somebody who – loves this game beyond belief. I don't think there is a single NHL player in the entire league who has facial recognition with a casual audience where if you saw them walking down the street, you would not recognize them. The only guys who are in consideration for that is somebody like Brent Burns, who's very, you know, unique looking. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Where they've probably seen him in a Facebook meme. Like that's really the only person I can think of. And that's not because like, he's a marquee player. He, it's just because he looks different than everybody else so it's hard I I really do understand 
Yeah. And, you know, I do really like the creativity aspect that goes into, you know, wherever it's hosted. Like last year they did the stuff on the beach and they had like the dunk tank. And I really enjoyed the skills competitions and things like that more. Those than the- are cool. Those are a good way to highlight your players. Like, yeah. I know they have to jump through hoops to get McDavid to do the fastest skater because he hates doing it. But mm-hmm. that's something they need to be showcasing. Like, let's get him in there. Let's get Jack Hughes in there. Let's get Chris Kreider in there. Let's get Dylan Larkin in there. And let's see who's the fastest skater in the league. That is something that is yeah. easy and translatable. That whenever they whenever they play in a nationally televised game, the color commentary guy can be like, oh, yeah, remember when Dylan Larkin beat McDavid's time in the All-Star game and the skills competition, stuff like that. That's a cool moment it doesn't really matter but it's a moment it's something that will play well on social media those types of little things yeah and i think that it goes to again like charo with the hardest slap shot yeah of course they're just fun little tidbits that you can bring up in a conversation with a casual fan and be like hey you know uh did you know this and one thing i mean i guess that really doesn't that I don't like about the all-star game and all-star weekend in general is they they'll get penalized if they don't go I think you have to do that on some level because then everybody wouldn't want to go like (laughs) that's the that's the reason you have to suspend Ovechkin for his phantom injuries before the all-star break every year like and in all honesty I would I wouldn't say Ovech. I would say the Capitals representative should be Dylan Strome. In all honesty, he's he, he's been their best player this year, and Ovechkin doesn't want to go, but mm-hmm. the league will want to send Ovechkin because he is one of their marquee players. He's one of the all-time greats in the sport. He's still actively playing, and you can do Ovechkin Crosby stuff if they both go. So I think the NHL will poke and prod him into going, or he will eat the one-game suspension for not going. Yeah, and, you know, at least it's just one game. And if you put a monetary fine on it instead, they don't care. that no. It's pocket change, regardless of, you know, if it's the maximum $5,000 or whatever. I think you're right. It does have to be some sort of, like, actual punishment. Uh, the fan vote. Oh, I want mm-hmm. us to get Cole Sillinger in there, Cole Sillinger in there so badly. I, I want to go Max Chaos. Uh, you know, it's I not like it matters. No, like, I mean, she doesn't have them blocked on Instagram, so like, <laughs> it, it can't be that bad. <laughs> like, oh, we got we got to lean into the chaos here. If they could get John Scott to the All Star Game, we can get Cole Sillinger to the All Star Game. At this point, who cares? Let's have fun with it. Yeah, and send Dylan Strome is- so he has to interact with Connor McDavid. You know, all of the little things we can do to make this game more chaotic. Someone put them in a room together. And we need to figure out what happened to their friendship. We need that's to the tell all I that's the tell all I want. Exactly. Give us the 30 for, uh 30 for 30 on that. That but, if Tyler Sagan missing breakfast was actually the reason the Bruins traded him. Those are the three, those are the three. Well, there's four horsemen of the apocalypse, but those are three of the four hockey horsemen of the apocalypse. There's so many great untold stories that yeah. uh, really could come to light. And I think during the lockdown the Bruins did the Stanley Cup anniversary over Zoom and it was 
absolute chaos. And I wish that more teams, I mean, granted, not in the middle of a pandemic, but did things where fans got to see more of that front-facing personality and it's not forced. Uh, And I hope that the All-Star game break does something for these young guys and you know someone asks cole cylinder what's your favorite tate mccray song for the sake he should be using x's as his goal song we should be having fun with this lean into the bit nothing is serious forget the canon we need a tate mccray song but do you have any predictions for the flames uh representatives uh, Weger or Anderson. I think those are the only two people it could be, in all honesty. If they want to send Anderson, it could be Kadri, like what we talked about before in regards to forward defenseman split, like Kadri went yeah. last year. So it could be Kadri, but I think Weger or or Anderson would be my choice, at least. Yeah, and we will have to wait and see uh, tomorrow around this time. And Uh, Coming up next, we are going to wrap up the show with the talk of the town, Connor Zari. But before we do any of that, uh, we are going to take a quick break and talk to you about our favorite betting sportsbook, and that would be FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there is still plenty of time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is super easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new easy uh, explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. Nick, have you decided on any bets this weekend? Um, I got to look at the slate. There's not a lot of good quarterbacks playing, but I'll probably throw like $10 on the over if I do go to Blackhawks Devils. That's what I always do when I go to a game is throw $10 on the over. That way you get to root for both teams to score goals and you just have fun. It's a win-win situation. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Thanks everyone for hanging out with us today. Unlocked on Flames. Um, you can follow us on social media at Jess Belmosto and at Nick Zeraris. I certainly did not expect uh, Connor Terry to be the guy. No, definitely not. Anytime you have a call off with this skill set, it's very, I don't want to say unlikely, but you know, it's not like he's got a great shot. It's not like he's the fastest player in the world. It's just a lot like we talk about in regards to Coleman, Manjapani, uh, Backlund, where they just work really hard. It's effort. It's crashing the net. It's being in the right place at the right time. And at the very least, that's, you know, it's admirable to see somebody, you know, who doesn't fit the archetype of an elite talent playing at a high level. I mean, there's a real argument. He's been their most consistent forward all season in terms of being noticeable, making an impact. And really, I don't want to say being the difference between winning and losing, but with as little scoring as this team does, you know, his occasional chipping goal matters a lot. 
Yeah. And I think it's just been such a delight because there have been, you know, some not so bright spots to the last year and a half as a Flames fan. And if you are team overhaul, play the kids, uh, tank, if you will, this is fun. Yes, you're not rooting for the goals, but you're getting to see a possible, you know, future. I mean, at this point, he's a full-time NHLer, I would say. But something that you're going to see consistently for years to come. And him, Kadri, and Pospisil are such a fun line. And the dynamic between the three of them is fun to watch. And the way that they talk about it, it doesn't feel like it's, like, it feels like Kadri is a true mentor and not just, like, I've won a Stanley Cup. I know what I'm doing. Go here sort of deal. No, for sure. It's That's why you can't rip the team down entirely to the studs. Is You need to have older guys to kind of nudge them along in the right direction, to give them leadership, to kind of ease them in ease them into being NHL players. Like while you were talking, I went and looked, I, I I said this, I want to say a week ago or two weeks ago, and it's still true. Now he's leading the team and wins above replacement of any, everybody on the team. And, you know, and he didn't play, I want to say the first 10 or 11 games of the regular season. So he's making an impact offensively. He hasn't been a net negative defensively. And the way he plays is infectious. It's fun to watch. It's exciting to see that, Hey, he's crashing the net. The puck's going to the middle and the goal, he's going to either have to make a save or it's going in they don't have a lot of guys who can consistently put the puck in the net because they all play this way but the fact it's working out well for him you know you can't help but feel good about that I mean he's not going to be in the conversation for the Calder because so many good players have debuted this year you could talk about Nemec, Luke Hughes, Adam Fantilli, Bedard there are so many good players that have debuted this season but he absolutely is having a better season, I would say, than pretty much anybody thought he would, considering where he was when they started the season. I mean, he's 22 years old, and he's played 27 career games, and those are all this season. So to get 17 points in 27 games as somebody who doesn't have a ridiculous shot, I mean, you got to feel good about that. I mean, you drafted him in the first round, so we're a few years removed from when he was drafted. To see him get to the NHL level for the first time and be comfortable, that is a good that is a good sign about the developmental trajectory of the organization that, Hey, they might have to sit in the incubator for a little while, but we get them ready to be pros at the NHL level. It takes a while, but when they get there, they're ready and they don't have to look back, which is not something you can say about a lot of organizations. There are quite a few organizations that love to do the yo-yo back and forth between the A and the NHL until the guy finally forces their hand and makes them keep him at the NHL level. And it's kind of funny that, you know, when the AHL team was still in uh, Stockton, it felt like they were doing more of that. Okay, uh, you go back, like back and forth, back and forth. But now the team's in the same city, and they've they've learned a little bit, I would say. And again, that's been for a few two seasons now, I think two or three. But it's nice to see, uh, you know, kind of some foundational changes when you're looking at like looking at it like that and Zari had uh 
some injuries too to start his pro career. So I think that it's even better that he is at this point. Like, I feel like he's further ahead than some might expect him to be, considering the, I want to say, two or three leg and wrist injuries he had. he's had so far. It's, it's commendable to see somebody play this style of hockey, a little bit on the smaller side, dinged up. It's, you, you hate to, I, I'm trying to think of how I want to express this. You hate to think like, hey, this is fleeting. I don't know how sustainable it is to play like this. And we all become guilty of that at times of like, is this fool's gold or is this actually what this guy is? Because if this is actually what Connor's area is and he's going to stick, he's a solid middle six forward where, hey, maybe he gets puts on another five, 10 pounds. Maybe he can refine his shot a little bit more. Maybe he can develop another element to his game. And then we're talking about a top six forward as opposed to a middle six forward. I mean, it's very early on in his development, but we are going to, we, we have something here. That is something like we've, we talk about this a lot in regards to Dustin Wolf of he might not be ready yet, but he gives you something to put hopes and project Mm -hmm. onto that. We might not be good right now, but because of guys like Zary, because of guys like Wolf, we will be good again eventually. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many fun prospects down with the Wranglers. So if you have a chance to go see a game, go ahead and treat yourself and watch on AHL TV as well. But uh, I think that about does it for today's episode. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. Thanks for either joining us in 2024 or returning. We appreciate it regardless. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're getting your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Uh, definitely sound off in the comments on who you think the Flames All-Star will be. And if you had to cast your fan vote, who would it be for? And until next time, Nick, do you have any parting words for us today? Uh, I want to go eat dinner. Have a good night, everyone.